Okay, cool. Thank you for doing this, man. You're really welcome. appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. My pleasure. Uh, let me fix this because the mics are never perfect, uh, but they're now. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. Thank you. Good to, good to have you here. First of all, you and I have known each other a little bit now. A little bit. Yeah, in and out of yes. different scenarios, but mm -hmm. wh where did we meet? We met at the... Uh, it was, wasn't it the Yulefogos uh, thing from our I, from our partners? Yeah, I think. I, I, yeah, I, it was probably the Yulefogos yeah. where they made funny pictures. <laughs> and yeah. well, we should talk about what like because I think Yulefogos or the Christmas party is a very Danish thing, right? Where the oh yeah, uh, like I mean, and I'm I'm part of also what I'm trying to do with this this little show here is also to sort of introduce people to sort of the Scandinavian Danish culture a little yeah. bit. So, like, how? Have you been to a lot of Yulefogos's and like what, what is the typical sort of... You know, at, uh, an answer would be, I don't know, <laughs> because, you know, the tradition is that we drink a lot of schnapps mm -hmm. at Yulefogos, so you, you, and, and people are getting very, very drunk at Yulefogos, okay. so, so, so uh, people probably don't, don't remember very much. And some people don't remember at all if they went to the Yule Forest. Yeah. But I have been to a lot of Yule Forest, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a traditional kind of guy. Yeah, so that's I, awesome, yeah. yeah. So how, introduce people to who, who don't know you on the show, which is mm -hmm. like very few people already, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, t give me your background, Peter. Because like, I think I know you as a writer, a yeah. journalist, but you're also like doing a lot of, you have a lot of hats, so let's get I into it. I do have it. a lot of hats, yeah. Um, I, well, I... Um, do you want the whole story? Let's go. We have we have all the time in the world. There's okay. no there's no bow can't. Well, <laughs> in uh, in nineteen, <laughs> <laughs> well actually in nineteen ninety six, I uh, I was accepted for the uh, for drama school. Okay. Uh, in Denmark, we have three schools that are um, like national school of drama, mm -hmm. and they are located in Copenhagen, in Odense, and in Aarhus. And I was accepted in Odense. And I went there for four years. They accept eight, uh, eight people every year on every school. So, and there are like a thousand, one thousand applicants every year. So, so it's it's very difficult wait, to wait, get in. Wait, wait. So a thousand applicants and eight get in. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's like harder than Harvard. Yeah. It, it, I and, mean, and I, I mean, we have in India. We have a we have a joke because we have an institution called the IIT, yeah. Indian Institute of Technology, and IIM, Indian Institute of Management. And they're about 10 times harder than Harvard to get into. <laughs> okay. But this is even harder than that. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so it's hard. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, but um, yeah, I was lucky. I, I, uh, I went there for four years. So in 2000, I graduated from National School of Drama mm -hmm. and was an actor. Okay. And I, I was a, an actor for up till now. And what kind of, has it been like different movies? What kind of roles? I, I've done, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of theater. Mm. Uh, I like the theater, but uh, I've also done some movies and television series. Mm. Um, um, for Bulsen, yeah. uh, and some of the crime, uh, yeah, I, I, crime I, I, series. Um, and I've done a lot of uh, uh, voice work, yeah. like uh, 
uh, cartoons. Yeah, because I think I, I did, like I, I went on IMDb to just check out your credits, <laughs> and I was because it was really funny because before this point, I so this this podcast is a very personal project, mm. and I think we discussed yeah, it uh, yeah. that day on the walk in Fredericksburg. We were like, "Hey, I'd love to have you on mm-hmm. because I think we can talk about tennis." Exactly. And then I and then I go on and then I go on the and then I Google your name and I'm like oh this guy's been an actor for 20 years okay Shit. cool I f- <laughs> forgot about that part nobody knows no nobody knows what the fuck is going Shit, on? what went wrong <laughs> <laughs> well, we need some wine for that conversation but uh, but it's actually kind of it's fun because uh, that was also very interesting for me because yeah of course I know I know you as a friend mm-hmm. and then you know sort of you discover okay there's peels and layers and these different things right. so I was like this conversation is also just also for me uh, like a very personal selfish reason to get to know you better uh, and and we happen to have this camera and we happen to record it but yeah. the reason also is to kind of I think the Danes need an excuse to talk so you know it's like you guys don't yeah. open up that easily so you need That's alcohol true. or a camera so yeah. we'll go with so, uh, <laughs> we'll go with the camera <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but you know it's yeah uh, just to make everyone I, I, I still I still am acting yeah but um, after like 10 years mm. as an actor I came to I came to the conclusion or whatever you can call it yeah, yeah. that uh, I was giving roles that you know were great mm, but I also wanted to be challenged more than I was mm. and I found it interesting to study uh, rhetorics at the and, yeah, and and uh, journalism. Yeah, because I, I also see that you are like a c- coach or a teacher for the Copenhagen University or something. I, there's something. Yeah, I was. It? I mean, it was. Or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's part of my long history of uh, different works. But mm. um, as an actor, I was hired for uh, the the the, um, the university at the psychology uh, studies to uh, train the. Uh, coming psychologist for their um, the first meet of a client mm. and uh, I would train them being the client and then give them feedback on how they were communicating wow. to the client it was quite it was pretty inter- interesting wow. but mm. uh, there was some cut downs at the university financial cut downs and this was one of the uh, one the, of the, the areas where they but but I, I interrupted so let's get back no, no, to what yeah. you were saying earlier you yeah I was I was doing roles that was you know they were they were interesting they were funny and 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 and, um, and I just wanted to I just wanted to uh, challenge myself with uh, with in other ways so I started to uh, to study rhetorics and journalism at the university and mm. I started to write uh, I always liked uh, writing, but not in in a in a professional way, like uh, you know, like real journalists or, <laughs> uh, and or getting uh, paid to do it. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, and then um, somehow I uh, ended up at Politiken, which is, is which is the biggest newspaper in Denmark. Maybe uh, maybe newspaper. I think that's also cool because there's because I don't know shit about the Danish newspaper scene or no. the journalism scene. Yeah. I just, I've seen the name Politiken a lot mm-hmm. and they do, a, they've done a great job also during COVID to keep me updated on, right. on the numbers and everything. They, they clearly have a very good team. Mm-hmm. There's also Bursen, right? Bursen, yeah. Yeah, and then there's, uh, are there a couple of others, right? Yeah, so could, could you, do you want to just like describe the, the top players, who they are? And 
Yeah, we have Berlingske. Yeah, that's the big one, right? There is. Uh, they also have what is called the Weekendavisen, mm. which is a very, uh, very. Uh, it's it's a great newspaper for. Uh, it's coming out every Friday, mm. and they go really in depth with with issues, and uh, you're gonna have to take some time reading mm. these pieces that uh, they publish because I mean they 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 grab on culture. Uh, not sports, but uh, <laughs> uh, books, culture, uh, you know, in and outside Denmark, no. and, uh, all topics that are uh, really, uh, really uh, right now. Top of mind, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 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 No. So, um, and then we the have Politiken, yeah. which is, uh, you know, it's a it's a daily newspaper, which yeah. is, is a, it's read by, I don't know. 350,000 people daily mm. I think uh, and um, and it's uh, it's 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 known for its uh, for being a serious paper you know and and they have like I noticed that when I was uh, when I was uh, uh, at Wimbledon for example that I had uh, access to some of the players because uh, I came from Politiken and mm. we can get stories like like uh, some of the extra blood or BT, some of the daily newspaper that were in for the for the quick news, you know, no. they we could get other stories. We they accepted an interview or, or that that they maybe wouldn't accept for for the other papers. So there is some kind of serious seriousness seriousness or, uh, or about, respect because yeah. it's been it's been done in a certain yeah. way for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but not that. It's just that we get a different story. Like yeah. we can we can go in depth about something else than yeah. just what sport is about. So you know. So you started writing for Politiken when? Uh, five six years ago. And and that was would you say that was your first, like j- journalism job or, or or because I mean you said you started studying rhetoric and then yeah started studying journalism right yeah or, or, and yeah then, and then yeah you, and then you got politician right away no? uh, yeah well I, I, it's a funny story because you know I I you know I, you know in life mm. when you you know when you really want something and and you you can like feel the this um, what do you call that uh, this uh, seed or something that starts to uh, grow grow in you Uh, an idea or something you you get inspired by the idea and then it grows and then you have to you have to bring it into life yeah and 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 kind of like the muse a little bit yeah like sort of in some of these books right it's like yeah yeah you got this idea and you're just the vehicle you have to just do it (laughs) yeah yeah you have to get it out you have to get it out you have to yeah yeah. i mean you have to do it and you know and you and you you tell yourself that okay uh i can i can just feel that this will happen someday i don't know how long it will take before i get there but i will get there uh, no matter what and then you start you know thinking okay how can i do this this politician thing started out that I was in Australia one year, hmm. and I went to when you were still an actor. You were I was not, still an actor. You were this not was, doing anything. No, no, this was on vacation. Yeah. Okay. And I had the chance to go to Melbourne and watch Australian Open hmm. as a tourist, and I was sitting there and I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. That was my first Grand Slam uh, tennis tournament uh, as a spectator. I was just. 
and I thought this is this is really cool. But did you play tennis before that, or uh, just for just for, for fun? fun. Yeah. Just but you were not you were not like a professional or a hardcore fan or anything like no, that. No, I just you know I was watching Wimbledon on TV or French no, Open. You know, I was just and I knew about Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe. And, you know, I, and I remember when I was a kid, we were watching Wimbledon when I, you know all five hours when we were watching <laughs> Borg and McEnroe. It was no, I, I find uh, you know that's one of the memories that yeah. is just like this was happiness. We were in a summer house. We were uh, you yeah. know the whole family, grandparents, parents. We were watching this game. It was great. Yeah, um, it was Roderick Federer for me. But uh, well, I said, uh, yeah. yeah, all right, but Wimbledon's yeah. Roderick Federer. But we can talk about tennis yeah. in a second. Uh, but then uh, yeah, I was watching. Uh, I went to the Australian Open and I thought, this is cool. And, and then I thought, okay, my personal project, I want to, uh, to be an, a spectator to all four Grand Slams in the right order. So this idea just came to you when you were watching the, yeah. the Australian Open? Yeah. Okay. And I thought, okay, the next one is French Open. I'll do that next year. The next year after that, I'll do Wimbledon and then I'll do US Open. Four years. And... Uh, the year after I went to French Open, no problem. The third year, it was Wimbledon. It's impossible to get tickets to Wimbledon. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, if you're lucky, you're in a bowl where they- You're uh, in a what, sir? In a bowl yeah. where they draw out- Oh, so uh, like a lottery. Yeah, yeah, like a lottery. And if you're lucky, you can attend the lottery <laughs> to be lucky. I mean, it's just crazy. I, I thought, okay, how am I gonna, how am I gonna keep up with my, with my personal with your agenda plan. here. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I could go as a journalist, I thought, okay. Uh, but they don't accept any kind of journalism uh, there. You have to like uh, be a writer for one of the great newspapers or sports magazines in the world. And Pulchigen um, was one of them. So I had a friend in Pulchigen that said, uh, you can, you, Go and talk to this guy. He's the editor at the sports, uh, uh, the sports section, and um, set up a meeting. I'll set up a meeting for you. So we had set up a meeting. I went there, and with the only thing in mind that okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, selling myself here <laughs> in a way that he will send me to Wimbledon someday. Hopefully that next year. And uh, we had an, I had an interview with this guy, and um, 15 minutes after the interview, I left the building. He texted me, all right, you're in. I'll give you six months on the, uh, at the sports section. You're gonna do all kinds of stuff, and uh, I'm gonna send you to Wimbledon. Uh, okay. So, so, so I started working at the Politiken for these six months. So this was before you studied journalism? Or it was anything? actually, I was actually... Studying uh, at the same time. I was actually studying at the same time. I mean, the studying thing is like, if it's a full-time study, okay. but uh, I was still doing full-time uh, acting as okay. well. So well. I, I was touring and, and doing uh, theater shows. And at the same time, I was studying, so I had to just attend the university uh, studies, you know. So, so you were, so you were acting and studying f to achieve this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wanted to maybe. Was it was it too 
focus as in was the focus to okay i want to go to wimbledon so i have to go do this degree now or was it that it, it might be beneficial for other stuff as well no, it was like a, a bonus mm. it was a bonus thing it was not it wasn't the only reason i started to study rhetoric <laughs> uh but but um but um it was it was my way in to 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 keep up with my my personal agenda so so which year was this when did this happen when did mm. the six month offer to write and then i think it was 2014 okay yeah mm. Yeah, and then so you started, so you go on, but you you got the six month offer and then yeah, and then uh, they sent me to Wimbledon oh. as a um, a shared uh, accreditation with a guy that had covered Wimbledon before. So he was doing all the the results, all the games, and I was doing all the features like the, uh, yeah, so the color commentary a little bit. If you would compare it to like someone. Someone is talking about the numbers, and you're talking about the people yeah. and more the yeah, exactly. story behind yeah. the numbers. Or yeah. Yeah. Um, and it it worked out really good. And the year after, or was it the year after again? Um, I was on my own. Hmm. So uh, and what I didn't, as I, the games I didn't cover uh, at Wimbledon, they covered from the uh, from the paper back home. But um, yeah, that was how it. Uh, that was how I ended up with with Wimbledon. And then the year after again, I finished up at the US Open. So. You did your. <laughs> I did my four years, and I, I, I uh, and now I still write for Politiken and cover Grand Slams, um, French Open, and Wimbledon mainly. So, okay. Yeah. So. Um, and now this is this is the most important question. Um, which is your favorite? Oh, <laughs> well, they all have something special. <clears throat> Actually, I. Most people say Wimbledon. And I'm like most people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Wimbledon is, is. But why? Why Wimbledon? There is there is just some magic uh, about the whole thing. Maybe it's the grass thing. I don't know. That mm. it the, the surface is grass. It's just you go there, and if you like, I'm so lucky that I get there and I I'm at the grounds when it's closed. And I can go in, I can go in on center court and I can actually touch, touch the grass. <laughs> and it's like, it's just magic. Mm. I mean, and, and, and the whole story about the grounds, the how it, they, they started over a hundred years ago and it grew and grew. And, and now, you know, and all the players, you know, they, which one is the most spectacular trophy? It's uh, like yeah. everybody says Wimbledon yeah. and it is Wimbledon. Mm. It's just, it's just incredible. It's like maybe it's also because it, it there's a, such a strict code. Uh, yeah, talk about that because I think I think I, I mean I've been watching tennis also for, for many years as a kid and my sisters and I, we've 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 had similar memories of watching. I mean mo mostly me and then they they wanted to watch something else and then eventually they realized okay it's actually pretty fun, yeah. and, and and then sort of you know I mean also Wimbledon was was always special. Yeah. And uh, and you know, sort of, I think, growing up in India, tennis is tennis is big. But you had Singh, right? Who? What? The the Singh, the, the player. Which one? What's his full name? Uh, I don't remember. What's his name? Um, um, the Indian pro. Well, there's a, there's been a couple, uh, right? So there's the the big one, the big two have been Mahesh Bhupati and Leander Pace. That that they were the. Bhopana. Yeah, Bhopana. He's the recent one. Yeah, he's yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the thing with India is that our tennis player. I mean. 
if you go back in history, right. there's the most successful tennis duo has been Leander Pace uh, and Mahesh Bhupathi, the doubles. Mm, mm. And then Leander Pace and Martina Hingis were playing uh, mixed doubles. And they, I think, won either Wimbledon or US or something, mm. which was like, what? Okay, I thought you retired, Leander. And they came back and <laughs> won yeah. a Grand Slam and yeah. mixed doubles with Martina Hingis, which is like really cool. Uh, but I think in the, the tennis uh, in India, like it's like anywhere in the world, tennis is a is a rich sport. You have mm, to yeah. have the money to buy the rackets, to to right. go to the courts and everything. Um, but for us, we were lucky where um, we grew up in a town in a small town where there was a lot of tennis, and it was not that expensive to get access to it. And you could play, yeah. and we all played. All of us played. Um, me and both my sisters, we played pretty, pretty okay. We were not that great. And I remember my co- we had I had one coach f- for a couple of years who called me fat every day. No. <laughs> so I was like, okay, um, this is fun for me. <laughs> Don't ruin it. And he's like, oh, come on, run, fatty, run, fatty. I was like, okay, great. Uh, I'm not coming back here again. <laughs> and it's funny because like in India, that's like, yeah, it's not polite, but it's like yeah you know you're pushing your whatever <laughs> okay you kind of have a uh, but it, for me it kind of became i still enjoy tennis and i think it's a really right. fun 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 sport it's you have a two-hand backhand i know single roger federer i'm a federer guy i mean like yeah. so the thing is for me like my two favorite players growing up were andy roddick and roger yeah. federer so so and the thing is it was always terrible because whenever they met federer was always win but isn't that strange that Federer is still on the scene? He's so fucking good. Like, I mean, what is going on, dude? Like, you're, I yeah. mean, he he looks the same as he did like ten years ago. I know. He, I know. he like, I what know. is he? It's like it's like this I whole. Mean, he's not human. No, it's crazy. And also, the thing is, his style is very, is very. I mean, it's not aggressive. No. It's 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 calculated. Yeah. It's a, I mean, you, you kind of I think that's why he suits grass so well. Yeah. It's because it's like flowy. Yeah. It's like ballet, right? It's yeah. like I think there's I think some really good writer wrote a piece in the New York Times or some newspaper I haven't read it uh, mm. completely but I think it's, it was about the, the gist of it was how when you watch Federer it's like watching an opera or something it's like right. it's very flowy I think we did like a piece I uh, where we uh, like uh, connected him with Picasso you know? yeah it's like I mean but it's like also I think because because in the, the men's game I mean and we can, now we're getting into it so let's let's get into it, tennis now mm. uh, in, in the men's game there's there's like We've had this golden period, right? Because mm. you have Djokovic, mm. you have Murray. Well, Murray's not doing much these days, uh, but Djokovic, Murray. I mean, if you talk about the last 10, 12 years. Yeah, right. Federer, Radek, Murray, uh, Nadal, Nadal and, and then, of course, a bunch of really good players. But these four. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. All world class. I mean, you had, I mean, you've always had two. Yeah. Like you had Bjorg and McEnroe, or you had like uh, Agassi and Sampras. But four yeah there are the, these four yeah i mean there are you know they're in a league of their own yeah i mean they're they're just the great four mm. and to have them in the same era is kind right. of crazy right because and i bet that you know when they're all at, uh, all, all at home alone i mean they, they say that you know it's great that they're all there at the same time because yeah. you know i wouldn't be here if he wasn't there and the the competition and all but sometimes, I mean, if it was me, I was thinking, I would, I would be thinking, okay, if he was not there, I would just have so much, you know, success, and and I would, you know, but they have success, of course, but you know, I mean, the competition is good, uh, and they, I mean, they probably wouldn't be what they are without the others. I mean, and have you have you interviewed any of them, or I think all of them, yeah, all of them. Yeah. How, how is that? Because I think. 
Um, I mean, because you, you interview a lot of tennis players. So yeah, actually, I used to sit there where you sit. You know, you're, I mean, maybe I should interview <laughs> not, you. Not, not right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe another episode. But, yeah. but no, but how has it, how, I mean, which, yeah. what is, I mean, because I can imagine, like you said, like, you know, they're, they're being interviewed by hundreds yeah. of journalists yeah. Uh, yeah. all throughout the year. Like, how, what was your thought process going into it? Like, was it a certain angle you took or, 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 or was it different because you knew some players more and some players less? And I don't know. No, it's just, I mean, first of all, I mean, I think it's impossible not to get a little nervous when you sit in front of these guys because, you know, they, you know, they know so much more about tennis probably than you do somehow. I mean, there, you know, and, 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 and uh, so, so I often, because in my position and what I write uh, from is, is, is the, um, the human nature. It's like, uh, I know he's a tennis player. I know his results and I know all of that, but the talks often uh, uh, circle around, you know, uh, what are you going through emotionally when you're in a, when you, when you're you know number one in the world then you're not number one in the world how i mean what thoughts are going through your mind when you want to reach number one again or something like that um so so and of course you're very nervous when you sit sit in front of these guys of course is there a memory with one 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 player maybe in the beginning or maybe recently i don't know that you were like, oh my God, I'm sitting, or you were nervous. But or? that was, you know, the, you know, after a, a, a game at the Grand Slams, you know, often these big press conference, and, and, and there's a lot of journalists there, and, and you gotta be lucky if you want your question through. So, first of all, you, you, you have to prepare your question, and then you have to quickly raise your hand because it's a limited time where, where you can ask questions, and if you're getting pointed at, Okay, that, okay, my question, my question, <laughs> what, what, okay. And then, you know, this is transmitted to, uh, to the world. Yeah. And it's archived after, and there is uh, transcriptors uh, writing what we're talking about. So actually before you, you even leave the press conference room, it's printed out. So the whole uh, world press have a copy of what you just asked and uh, what they answered, and they can use that in every media in the world, the accredited ones. Uh, so, 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 you know, okay, I'm gonna. Uh, there's be, some pressure, yeah. Yeah, you, and 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 it's just it's just uh, tense, and then sometimes you just ask a question where you thought, okay, I could have asked a million questions. Why did I ask? I think. Uh, I asked Andy Murray about um, how it was to uh, be uh, playing at Wimbledon now that there, there was they just had an election about uh, Scotland and Great Britain had to separate, you know. And, and I thought, <laughs> I think maybe that was just too much. I, what was his answer? Do you remember? Uh, it was just, uh, you know, you know, you know. He was like, I'm exhausted, dude. I just yeah, played a five hour match. Yeah. It was something like, you know, rah, rah, rah. Uh, and the transcriptors was, you know, rah, rah. Okay. I, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't going quite as I hoped. But, but Andy, Andy Murray's got a special place in sort of the internet world because of oh, this really? question or the, in the meme world because okay. of this. I think someone asked him a question saying that or something about 
what does it feel like to be the best player or the first player to do something? Mm. And he said, first male player. He answered saying, he corrected the question, first male player, because apparently, I think Martina or, or Serena or someone had done it before him. Uh, something okay. he did. I don't yeah, know exactly okay, what okay, it was. Yeah. But like every feminist person in the world is like sharing that video because like, oh yeah, Andy Murray, you know, corrected this question. Uh, I mean, I think it's, it, I, I think it's really cool because he's, you know, I think what you forget is most of the players are doing a press conference after a very heavy workout. Yeah. Like they're either finished yeah. a match or yeah. finished training yeah. or it's never like yeah. just getting off. Okay. Getting, getting a cup of coffee. Okay. Now focus. Let's talk. Right. It's, it's there, you know, and I think it's also really cool to, to see the kind of pressure they're under, uh, to sort of come up with these answers, uh, and right. how to have to do it. And I think yeah. there's a lot on there. I, I think, I think actually, and I have so much respect for these athletes, especially like we talk about Roger Federer. And he has the ability to actually look you in the eye and give a, a, like a, um, a um, voluminous answer. I don't mm. know how to say it. Like a, like a long answer. Yeah, like, you know. Like, like a well really, thought through answer. Yeah, yeah. and, and well articulated answer. Like, uh, and I have, I mean, I have so much respect because the thing is that if you are a reporter, and you ask the, uh, the the athlete a question. The athlete, they I mean, some of the athletes would think, ah, oh, press, fuck press. You know, can I say fuck? Yeah, you can say know. fuck. Okay. Yeah, you can. No. We can say fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay, oh, well, fuck, 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 <laughs> fuck press. They, I mean, they they don't want to deal with the press. We're gonna say, ah, oh, fuck the. We're back. <laughs> We're back. We had uh, the batteries in the beautiful Zoom Six uh, ran out, so. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we, we figured them out. And thank you, Casper, for the batteries. <laughs> and now we're back on. We were talking about... Yeah, about Roger Federer and the, about his, his uh, ability to actually give, uh, give great answers to questions from the press. Uh, because I think, I think athletes uh, often have the, the idea that, oh, oh, fuck, we don't want to deal with the press. I mean, they ask the same questions all the time. So when you actually ask a question that is, is stand out a bit, then the athlete, an athlete like Roger Federer actually really takes his time uh, reflecting uh, and then come up with an answer that, that is really, really something special. Uh, but not all uh, tennis players do that. I mean, but I think some of... I mean, athletes in general maybe sometimes forget that, you know, we, uh, the, the, the journalist's job is to actually uh, write about, you know, the athlete. So, and if the athlete doesn't come up with anything, you know, you can't how, make it how up. Should I, how, should, how should the journalist, you know, come up with something great, yeah. you know, or something special or something at all. <laughs> yeah, I think what's, what's interesting also, if you look at like sort of the, 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 the famous athletes, because I, I like sport in general. So yeah. I think you have, of course, Roger Federer, mm -hmm. who is the leading example in tennis. You have like people like LeBron James, like, you know, Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. You compare these guys to each other. Right. And then, of course, in in, in the modern era of sort of uh, famous athletes. Right. There's 
of course, like in the, in the American sports, you have Tom Brady and like in mixed martial arts, you have, you know, Conor McGregor, these kind of guys who kind of, yeah, people who don't watch tennis know Roger Federer. Mm. Like they know his name. They've heard his name. Nike's exactly. promoted him everywhere yeah. when he was with Nike. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, all, and I think yeah. it's, it's also, I think a lot of athletes that are up and coming. I, I know I have some friends who are tennis players who are professional at like they're 12, 13, best in, best in their country, you know, right. and I think a lot of them, um, I think it's also like for an athlete, there's so much on your shoulders these days with social media as well, because oh, yeah. I think back in the day, maybe you would just like go play, do yeah. whatever, nobody cared. You gave a interview and you were done. Yeah, yeah. But now it's, you have to talk about it on your Instagram and you have these right. people and. And you, you have a, I mean, there's a lot of people in your team. Yeah. Like you, you, you can't just, I mean, that's the great thing about the Grand Slams. You go straight to the source. You go straight to Caroline Bosniaghi. You go straight yeah. to Roger Federer. You know, you well, what do you mean by that, you go straight? No, I mean, if you're, I mean, uh, the rest of the year, when you're not actually attending the Grand Slam tournament, I mean, if you want, if you want to, you want to talk or have a have a question answered by one of the athletes. I mean, you got to go through the manager that goes through the you know the public relation that goes through you know the whole thing. I mean, there's a lot of layers like you talked about <laughs> onion peel. Mm. You know this this onion organization is so layers, huge yeah. Yeah. that you know the way to to the athlete is just. Very, very long today. So you don't have Roger Federer's number? I thought I thought you had just had Caroline Mosiaki's and Roger's well, number. I have some. But have his, no. <laughs> That's why you're on the show, so I can I have know, them on next. No, no. Let me see where I can no, get. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but, but you know, but like you know, sport, the sport world, the sports world, the, it changed. It has changed a lot from the '80s to to today. I mean, like uh, I, I actually talked to Mats Vilanda, just saying tennis. Uh, like Matt Landa talked about tennis in a way like when he was when he was a kid, you know, and and they were starting playing tennis. They were doing it just for fun, and then they found out, oh, we're good at this, and then let's just play tennis because we think it's fun. And then they became professionals. Then they became one of the best, some of the best in the world. Today, you know. The parents, they look at the kid. Okay, you are—you have a talent for tennis. Let's 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 do this. But mom, I don't really want. You know, let's do this. And then they're gonna kind of force it onto the the kids, and then they, it becomes like a a a, a a business. Yeah. That 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 it's it's a whole different uh, approach to the sport, and not only tennis in all kind of sports. That that today than it was you know back in time. It's 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 sports is is a business, from very little uh, to 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 uh, top pro. Yeah, it's really funny because uh, one of one of my one of my good friends, um, who actually was supposed to be uh, on an episode yesterday, but okay. because of technical miscommunication, and then you called me and then uh, you know no, no. I replaced it. <laughs> no, no, but <laughs> you were scheduled for today, <laughs> so I had two days yesterday, today, and I wanted to put in as many people as I could. So mm. you were scheduled for today. So that's perfect. No, but uh, it's funny about this this thing about sport because he's launching uh, a sports league, his okay. own league. Okay. In a, in a niche, uh, I, I thought maybe he's going to be angry for me calling it niche sport, but ultimate frisbee which is this sport that he's okay. he's kind of really passionate about and he's launching a league oh, cool. and it's really cool because i think for me it is i think i can resonate with that a lot because maybe 20 30 years ago uh tennis or any sport 
uh, I would even say any global sport except maybe football, mm. soccer, mm. Um, right? You, you were, it was simple. You kind of okay. were like, okay, like you said, uh, you know, M Matt Svilander said, like, I would, we, were, we had fun, we played, we, got, right. we, we kept going, and then, yeah, okay, you play, and then you suddenly realize, oh, shit, you're one of the best in the world, and then, okay, you, you know, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But it was very pure and, and like organic and, mm. and almost sort of the, the ethos of the Olympics, like amateur, right? It was not about, right. it was not uh, corrupted by money or media no. or <laughs> anything <laughs> like that. It was about like just go do your thing. That's why I think there's a few sports these days which are kind of starting up, right? Which are mm. ultimate frisbee, I think is one of them. And there's a few others as well that are kind of niche sports, but they have a, because they're, they're very focused on on this purity aspect of like you play the sport for the community for the sport for yeah. you know getting better mm -hmm. uh, and yeah maybe there's some money in it it's he, he was telling me something which is crazy professional players in ultimate frisbee there's a league in the US guess how much they make a day just do if you if you have a guess dollars yeah yeah dollars just like <laughs> a random guess a day yeah or like or like per match or something like per just match. whatever $3000 30 $30000 per 30 match? To 30 dollars for throwing a frisbee? 30, three zero. <laughs> but, but it's like, and it's, it's nothing. Like you said 3,000, and I was like, I was like, right. I was like he said $30, I was like, so these people are doing it for the love of the game. And I think a lot and of them And not 30,000. No, not 30,000, $30. Oh, $30. Like, what was that, 200 krona, $30. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Not 30,000. Okay, 30 krona, <laughs> okay, 30 uh, $30. $30, so That's whatever, 200 krona. 200 krona for a game. Like you can make that, you can make more money than that doing a lot of things, right? But you so get you more on Acasten. <laughs> what, no, what is it? What is again? It's uh, security, it social, social security. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, social security. But okay. I mean, that's that, to no, me. No, no, but that's a great example because you you're doing it for the love of it. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, of course you have jobs and everything. Yeah, like yeah. most athletes in history have always had other jobs. Right. Like people, I think there's a George Best or something, you know, these famous football players also had jobs. And, you know, like, yeah, maybe he didn't, but most of them did. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also interesting where, like, now I think you're right because like sports like tennis and, and most famous world sports, they're very professionalized. Right. And then there's, like, ways. And, of course, parents want to help their kids, but sometimes you're right. Maybe it goes the wrong way, yeah. right? Yeah, I remember one of my friends back in the 90s, I think it was, he was one of the first uh, in in our uh, f friend. How do you call group, it? Group, yeah. A friend group, yeah. That was signed with a football club, but it was like he was giving a car or something, and but he still had to work. Mm. But then he had a free car and was playing football, and I think he was paid like what was like half a, a salary yeah. to play football. But that that made him a pro, yeah. you know, like, and that was cool. But today it's just, I mean, once you get sponsors in that pay you to wear a shirt or something, you, you, it's, it's a different game. Yeah. But and and in, in, in the tennis world, like, which are the players that you have sort of developed a relationship with or have you been talking to over the years that you're like, okay, like when you and him or her sit down, it's a very different kind of interview because they remember you or they know you because yeah. I think you were saying that one of the conversations we had uh, some time back, it was just like, yeah, I think some some players, they either remember you or you remember, mm -hmm. they know you, so it's yeah. kind of like, hey, it's, it's yeah. less of, oh, this press guy, yeah. more of, oh yeah, cool, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking to Peter, like, okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, I have, it's Caroline Bosniagi, we, mm. we, we, we have some great talks. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, in the years that I've been uh, writing about tennis and uh, and she's always very very uh, was now she she stopped being yeah. an active tennis player but um, I mean actually she was the reason that you as a Danish journalist are going to Wimbledon yeah. covering the tournament it's because she's there Could if when she when she loses the the match and is getting sent out of the tournament you're getting sent home yeah. I mean But I think I think that's really important to touch on because I think there's many people that don't realize that you know one player can have that impact, mm. and I think yeah, so maybe could you talk a little bit more about sort of Car- Caroline's impact on like the Danish tennis? Scene? It's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, she's just she's just one of a kind. I yeah. mean, there it's, she has made such a huge impact on I think just. Uh, tennis as a sport yeah. but also sport in general yeah. uh, how you you look at achievements in 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 uh, as a danish sports man woman how how you can achieve because that's that's extraordinary what she's done mm. and and i think she's like a role model for not just uh, junior boys and girls tennis players but also like uh, uh, kids that wants to go into any kind of sports and see you know there's a there's a there's a there's, a, there's some video footage from some years ago where Caroline is like 10 years old saying I want to be the number one in the world that's my goal you know and that's it's just to see a girl having those dreams it's like like we talked about if you get an idea you want to you want to live live them you know it's going to happen sometime you don't know when yeah Um, that's powerful yeah. and 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 just to see that it it actually she executed her dream can you say that? executed no, perfect that, yeah. yeah perfect she, English, she, yeah. she 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 lived it and and I think that's like a really really great statement for 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 future generation to see you can actually you can actually achieve these goals and and I don't see I mean you have Michael Laudrup, you have you have uh, uh, Ericsson in football, or soccer that uh, football it's fine. yeah that has been you know world soccer stars and and so of course we have that but this this is an individual uh, uh, achievement from Caroline uh, on the on the on the court. Of course she has a team behind her, her dad, mom, different kind of coaches throughout the years. Uh, Michael, that was one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let's maybe that's a good uh, that's a good segue because you've written a book. It's in Danish. I'm waiting for the English version to come out at some point so I can read it. If you know Chinese, are we we're working you know on Mandarin? maybe having a uh, having a uh, translated into Chinese. But, but yeah, talk to me about who is yeah. Michael and and how and you know what is yeah, this is book. Um, it was published uh, 2018 actually, the late 2018. And it was actually awarded Sportsbook of the Year 2019. Congrats! That's so awesome. Right there. Nice. So very cool. Whoa. Awesome. Very right. cool. Um, and it's about um, a former tennis player, Michael Mortensen. He's a Danish uh, former player and coach, and he was coaching Caroline uh, from when she was a little girl. Uh, I mean, Caroline's main coach is was her father. Piotr Bosniaki, but he also uh, teamed up with different coaches throughout her career, and Michael was one of them. Uh, actually, I think he was the first coach that was uh, 
attached with Caroline throughout her her her, her life on the tour. Hmm. And so um, I met Michael at an exhibition match in Hanning, Hanning where <laughs> my wife is from. Your wife is from <laughs> the, be- the second best city in Denmark. No. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I think a lot of great things comes out of Hanning. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I have to agree. Yeah, yeah. It's 100%. <laughs> so, <laughs> My um, life changed because of a woman from Hanning. So exactly. Yeah, for sure. No. So, actually, mine did too. Okay, yeah. Because so, uh, cool. <laughs> I met Michael there. And Caroline Wozniacki was doing an exhibition match with Serena Williams there. And it was a big setup. Whoa. And I was there to cover it for Politiken. And... Because my I have different hats, like you said. I also uh, had a friend that was invited uh, for the VIP uh, dinner the night before. And I was invited there with my friend, and we were sitting at a table, and th- this table was with Michael and his wife. And we came to talk. And my first thing was that I said to his wife, he reminds me of someone. Who is it? Oh, I know. It's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and I don't know. You can see this yeah, guy. I don't know. It's a scary photo, but yeah, definitely. I think yeah. there's something. But, you know, I mean, he. I saw I saw the uh, the uh, late night show. Or Saturday something. Night Live. Uh, Saturday Night Live. And SNL, Alec Baldwin yeah. was fried. Mm. And I mean, he's such a great actor, I think. Amazing. I mean, he's really, really, I mean, he's really cool. He knows his stuff. He, I mean, he's... Nothing can, you know, get him out of control. But he just looks exactly like Michael. Oh, they look very. They look like brothers, like twin brothers. And I said to his wife, "He looks like Alec Baldwin." And she said, "Yeah, yeah, that's right. He looks like Alec Baldwin." And then we got to talk, and 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 I got to know his story a bit. And I said, "You have a great story, Michael. He grew up playing tennis." Uh, was one of the best in the world in the doubles. He was paired up with uh, Mats Valander, uh, John McEnroe. He played against John McEnroe and 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 uh, in the doubles. And he was just one of the best double players in the world. I said, and then you know the tragedy in his life was he had a daughter that was hit by a car, and uh, she passed away from this accident and. I said, Michael, with all respect, uh, you have a really, really great story. Uh, not great in the sense, you know, it's, the, the tragedy is, is unbearable, but you have a, had a life so far that has been uh, quite interesting. And, and the tragedy in your life and the turns it takes, you know, I, I, I really would like to put it into words. And he talked to his family about it and they liked the way I was writing and uh, they accepted that I should uh, tell his story. So we started this project together and this was not, it was a project that, you know, like we talked about with Mats Verlander, going into tennis, you have to uh, do it with your heart. It's not a business. It's not to, oh, this is a story. We can sell a lot of books. We can, you know, no. This is a story told from the heart and with no rush. Do it in whatever time it takes and then we want to tell the story right. No matter if it sells one, two, five, five million, whatever. doesn't matter. This is about telling a story. So it took us three years. We sat down like you and I, we talked and talked about 
topics that I found was interesting go into depth. And then I did my writing from that and it came out as this book. And what is what does the title mean? Gruß is clay. If you want to translate it directly, it's clay. It was not his favorite f- surface. That was hardcore. But I mean, in that title is is like there was a lot of obstacles in his life that he had to cope with, and uh, not just clay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, in Denmark, we have a saying that if your world is falling apart, it's uh, uh, then it's. Sturer i grus. It's how you say like like things are falling apart. Just uh, stuff becomes, is breaking. Becomes gravel. Becomes clay. Something, yeah. Something else. yeah. And um, and that's mm. that's the title. So so. Um, and 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 uh, does he like the book? <laughs> does he like the book? Yeah. Yeah, he's very very pleased with the book, and uh, I'm pleased too. That's actually, good. and uh, because it's actually it's. Uh, It's a story that tells a lot about tennis from the 70s up to today. And, um, you know, everything from, you know, the ATP w, uh, w, uh, WTA Tour, the, uh, the the Grand Slams, the, uh, the uh, Davis Cup, and uh, the human challenges of being a tennis player and the human challenges of, of loss. Yeah. I mean, not only uh, losing on the court, but also losing in life, uh, like because Michael became one of the most asked for coaches on the WTA tour uh, after uh, after he um, was coaching Li Na, the, the Chinese tennis player. And he brought her to the final in French Open and she took the championship there with Michael as a coach. So he got very asked for on the, on the, on the women's tour. And um, then, shortly after after uh, Lina was uh, taking the title in in Paris, this was in May June. Uh, then in November, uh, this accident happened, and it turned Michael's life around. He had to, you know, back off from from the tour, from tennis, uh, put life in perspective. And um, it was just a big game changer. Yeah. Um, I mean, we both have kids, and yeah, uh, I'm mine is the younger one. Yeah. <laughs> But still, like, yeah, I, I mean, I think I cannot imagine the the loss. Like, oh. I mean, you know him well. You you spent some years writing this yeah. book. Yeah, but, but you know, you will never yeah. heal. No. I mean this. I mean this book. Of course, it's a story about tennis and life in general, like that. But it's It's also like, a, I think it's been kind of a healing process for Michael and his family. Not that it's like a psychological study or anything, but just telling the story, like put it in into words, been kind of a closure thing of all the grief that the him and his family has been going uh, around, carrying for so many years from 11 to you know, 18. It's a lot of years and you, and you will never heal. But the book was part of a like part of a process that has been very good for the family, I think. Yeah. So, but I mean, you met, you touched on this when you were talking about the book. But why did you want to write it? His story. 
I saw that there was a lot of, um, I mean, you know, I think, and I think you think that too, when you, I mean, if you see a, a, a person or a character that, that has been living um, life, uh, touching base with a lot of things that most people just dream about, um, that one thing that makes that character in interesting. Um, and I also, I mean, with my background in, in film, theater, and, and acting, I see, I see a story played out um, with a main character that goes through this world of, uh, um, world of um, what do you call that, experience, uh, or kind of oplevelser. Um, experiences yeah that that if, I mean actually that that sometimes or, or struggles maybe I don't know yeah some of some of the these experiences for this character are so unique and so extreme that you're just starting to see those whole thing as as a movie somehow mm. that that um, that you you build up to to something extraordinary and then you see you 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 hit a a bump on the on the road of life that you know tears it all apart, and that to me is 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 um, interesting in in another way. That has another aspect of being interesting because the, the the thing about you know we can all relate to to happiness and things in life that are going great for you and. And that has an effect on you in a in a in a positive manner, and and you 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 grow from that, or you build from that. But seeing seeing the dark side of life, where you have to grow out of tragedy and darkness, is another aspect of life that is interesting in another way. But it's it's very important as well, and and the picture as a whole is 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 giving you a. Like a, a whole story. Yeah, it. it did you? Did you yeah, but it, it sounds I'm, it sounds less like a tennis book and more like a book of life. To me, it is. Yeah. I mean, to to I mean, but it's connecting those two mm. that you have a life that is so rooted in the sport that's been your life. You know, it's it's your whole life, uh, which is it's also uh, a sport that. A lot of people was following, so they were following, you know, a great part of your life. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, it's the personal life. But you know, there's there's a the big difference between private and personal. You know, what do you mean? No, you should. Uh, I I talked to a guy w once that said, uh, "Let's be private. Uh, let's not be private. Let's be personal." And he, that being personal is like okay. I decide what I want to share with you, uh, with the inner me, mm. but I do still have some privacy that is mine that I'm not gonna that I'm not gonna share with you. So this is personal, not private. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a little it's, bit it's of it's private. A balance, but you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, like, can you please translate it in English so I can read it? <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, we, we talk who about... Do, who do I have we, to talk to? <laughs> now we have a, a connection to Hong Kong, actually. Okay. Uh, they want to maybe... We're working on on being published both in English and in Chinese. Okay. 
so 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 but it's it's a long process yeah, yeah of course it takes long so i mean thank you for sharing because i think that's uh I, I've, i've of course followed you while you were doing this book and of mm -hmm. course i saw it and it looked really cool but of course i really now i'm now more than ever i want to read the book because <laughs> i think it's uh yeah i think uh in today's world especially you know sort of social media and I mean, I know a little bit about social media. It's, it's you know, everything has to be, like, perfect. Yeah. But that's not real life. Like, not and, real I, life. and I think also, um, you know, you you meet a lot of people and, I have, and, and you sort of realize that everybody's fighting their own battle mm -hmm. and everybody's going through a lot of shit in life that, <laughs> you know, they maybe don't want to talk about or don't want to share. But on the other side of it as well, like, if somebody can can you know make a successful life mm -hmm. like not money successful just fulfillment successful right yeah. you know uh part of that story of course is also the tragedy you go through right and i right. think and i think what, what one of the things which i realized and maybe it's because i'm getting older now uh, or maybe because i live in scandinavia and, <laughs> and and you have time to think about some deeper emotions here because of the weather and <laughs> i thought we go to india to <laughs> find deeper deeper meaning of life but i think you do and i think it's, it's i think you have to, i think you have to change your situation to find deeper meaning of life i believe that mm -hmm. like i think we, you have to get out of your comfort zone right so i think when i think in in, in india like I, i'm indian i love india and there's so much there's so much wisdom in our old books right but most indians don't read them that's the that's the that. secret like okay. you know like no like most indians don't give a shit about <laughs> the, the 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 sort of holy books or the the philosophies or really? you know like because i think most of them oh. are on social media yeah. like most of them most like most of the world is looking at this this phone and looking at you know stupid bullshit that just is being reshared from one person to the other mm. uh and and you know facebook and instagram and these amazing companies have made hundreds of billions of dollars figuring out this uh, base level human emotion to sort of get you hooked on it right yeah. it's it's pretty much like scaling the the casino right it's like scaling emotional casino like it's mm. perfect mm. and and india is a country uh for india is a big country like you know we have 1.3 billion people uh, hundreds of languages thousands of dialects right it's a, it's a continent right it's a, it's a subcontinent uh, technically as well so i think like our history is so deep and so wide it almost takes people outside of india to come and talk about it and of course i'm generalizing because there's so many people that are that are doing that in india that are philosophers and writers and you're mm. talking about it and hopefully i will get to talk to some of them in the future uh, but i think the 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 general millennial indian public from like 18 to 35 36 or a bit older even mm. right like most of them don't really take the time to look at their own culture as much as they should and i think that's partly because of sort of the globalization of the world right because of course uh, any uh, you want to look outside you want to see what's yeah. cool and yeah. america does a really good job of being able to scale culture <laughs> and you know make everything look really cool and i think uh. india is a india's english-speaking country so of course it's a great market and i mean at the end of the day i think now uh, with social media people are i mean or with the internet people are realizing as well that you know oh yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of crap but there's also a lot of opportunity to learn stuff i think mm. for me moving to denmark was quite difficult we've talked about this a little bit mm. like you know i think the danish culture is 
is great, but also that you're not the most open people in the world, no. right? You have to really break through right. uh, to really try to get in. It doesn't help that, you know, you speak a crazy language from God knows how many hundred years ago <laughs> that nobody can speak. Not even your neighbors can speak well. But uh, but anyway, besides all that, I think it's been, it's been, for me, it's been a journey inward a lot, mm -hmm. sort of in the dark winters and, you know, sort of being... Uh, away from most of my friends and, and some family. Uh, luckily, family has been coming mm. quite regularly until COVID. Um, but still, it's like, for me, I'm, I'm a very social person. So most of my life, whenever I had to deal with something real, I would just go out for a drink mm. or, or hang out with somebody or go on social media. Yeah. And I think the last couple of years here, also becoming a dad is part of it, also becoming older is part of it, I think, has, has really told me that, like, go towards that pain, go towards that internal discomfort. Mm. Because mm -hmm. when you go towards that discomfort, you are like, oh, okay, this is what it's really about. Mm -hmm. like if you run from it, if you hide from it, it becomes something bigger, right? right? And, and I think, I think uh, for me personally, and a lot of people that I know, we love to lie to ourselves. We love to sort of, to make ourselves feel comfortable for the short term, we love to lie. Yeah. We know the truth, <laughs> but we, we don't want to talk about it yeah. to ourselves. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I talked to a guy um, that says, he's saying that he's a philosopher. Mm. And, and his theory is that uh, every time you lie to yourself, you uh, lack self-respect. And, and, and being successful within yourself in life, it's all about self-respect. So, so every time you lie to yeah. yourself, I mean, saying something that, you know, this is not, I mean, hmm. it's not the truth, but, you know, it doesn't matter. And I, and I, think, you know, and I think it's also like, and, and that's what I, I've been very impressed. I mean, I've lived in Europe for 13, 14 years now, hmm. um, but I've been very impressed with the Danish uh, sort of culture or the people that I've met here. Like I've met some pretty famous people who are successful in, in, in financially, in other in their otherwise, whatever, successful, you know, in general. Mm. And uh, and people are just like very humble and very polite and they and they don't wanna, you know, talk about uh, uh, the other stuff. And I think I think I re I can really resonate with that because most of my life I've had to kind of uh, sell myself a little bit, mm. you know, uh, whether it's uh, as an entrepreneur, whether it's, you know, as a for whatever, right? Sell artists, whatever I was doing, uh, mm. whatever building companies, whatever. It's always been sort of the salesman role that yeah, I yeah. play, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think in that in that process, you sometimes you tend to, you know, lie a little bit, like white lies, like a little bit here and uh, there. Yeah, like yeah. it's kind of yeah, like yeah. okay, you know, I'm, uh, it, it's not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, like, or, or or this this will take six months. It'll actually take a year, but you say six months, and you try to get the deal. Yeah, yeah. And this will cost this much, but it'll, you know, yeah. and and I think. Um, it, this process started for me a couple of years ago. I realized that being honest does more for me than for the other person. Mm, mm. Like if I'm honest mm. with myself, yeah. I'm like, you know, it's it does so much more for me. Yeah. And I think your friend, the philosopher, is 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 quite right. And and I think there's a lot of philosophers that have written about this, of course, in different ways. Mm. But I think what's interesting for me is philosophy in a book, right? That mm. you read is mm. bullshit. Mm putting it in your life is the hard work. Oh yeah. I think it's like, yeah, we can all read the books, yeah, right? Like yeah, we can yeah. all, yeah. like I think, I think this morning I saw something on Twitter, uh, someone, someone um, from the startup world uh, said that, oh, I read this nice quote from Henry Ford, you know, failure right, or something right, about failure. Yeah. And I was like, 
yeah, yeah, we can all read the fucking quote. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's not about the reading the quote. It's about applying it in your life and yeah, living yeah. your life yeah, that yeah. way. But like, like this guy said, um, also, he also said that um, uh, 10 years ago, he, 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 he made a promise to himself that he would never uh, say a bad thing about or to another person ever. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's, it's, it's great. I want to do that. And I've been thinking about it since I heard that. Uh, but I also, I, I catch myself <laughs> saying to myself, oh, fuck, man. Do you know, oh, I, I failed on that one already today. Oh, uh, you know, mm. so, I, so it's really difficult to live, to live those rules that you set up yeah. to become a better person. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, it's okay to to fall through once in a while i mean the people that that say they don't they lie <laughs> they lie it's, it's i think there was a I, I read something somewhere i think coming back to tennis full circle a little bit mm. i think like the difference between the top uh, to to make it to the top 100 uh, or 200 in the atp or mm. in the, in the mm. world mm. ranking mm. to being in the top 10 mm. is hitting three percent more shots like the, it's a three or four percent margin they say, Something I mean, like top 100 is equally great players. Yeah, yeah. The thing is continuity. Yeah, I consistency. Mean, yeah, yeah. Con consistency, continuity. Yeah, consistency. And, and, and they, I mean, the top 10 players, they yeah. urge you, they just have a higher Cons consistency. And I think that's the funny thing also with like the, the pure sports, right? Like mm. picking up a racket and hitting a mm. ball. Mm. It's pure, <laughs> like like, and I think like for me, yeah. I love mixed martial arts. I love fighting because it's extremely pure. It's you, brutal pure. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> you're 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 in your underwear with a cup, and you're going against a guy with an underwear and in his underwear, right? And, and a cup, and then you're fighting each other, right? Mm. Like it doesn't get more primal or pure than no. that. And I think in that, if you are a fan of the sport like mm. tennis, mm. you see beauty. Mm. You see yeah. that. A forehand, a backhand, and a serve, and a volley. Like, that's all tennis is. <laughs> like, there is not... I mean, maybe there's a few more things Michael can teach me. Oh, but, yeah. but besides that, like, yeah. it's about the consistency. It's about hitting the shots. And I think it's funny because um, this is also the difference in social media age about looking at stuff and doing it. Right. If you look at Roger Federer play, it's yeah. like, oh, I can hit that. <laughs> Get on a court and try to hit yeah. like 10 shots yeah, yeah. with a 12-year-old yeah. who wants to be a pro. Mm. And you can be as fit, as strong as you like, <laughs> as running. He, will, yeah, he or yeah, she yeah. will yeah. kick your ass every yeah. day. And I mean, there, there's, a, there's a club in, in, in Bangalore called the Bangalore Club, uh, which uh, is, has like a lot of tennis courts. And I remember at one point, I think I was 17 or something, or 16, 17. I've been playing for, you know, eight, nine years quite regularly. And I said, okay, I'm good now. Yeah. I could, I, I could hit a, I had a really good serve, really good forehand, like, sh okay, backhand. I was like, okay, great. You know, I could do this. And I'm 18, yeah. And training a lot, working out a l really a lot uh -huh. and, and feeling very strong and fit, uh, playing for three, four hours, uh, three, four days a week. I go up against this kid. Mm. He's like 12 skinny right like hasn't warmed up and the fat guy yeah yeah the fat the guy against the fat, kid uh, I'm a fat guy exactly oh, shit. And, and, and then I go up against this little kid who's like who just is a different level yeah. like not I mean yeah he and he's not even he's not even I don't even know who he is like he's not a professional you know <laughs> I haven't I don't know I don't follow him like he's not on any of the rankings he like did not give me a shot 
And I was sweating like crazy, and he didn't, he barely moved. And to me, it's like, okay. Damn you, kid. Nobody's like, but that's the thing to me, it's like there's levels in this, yeah, in everything, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I'm talking about also Caroline, I think I can imagine that like people like her, uh, you know, of course, you have something special, mm, mm. you know, as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and, you, and, and then coaches like uh, her father and, and Michael and other coaches she had probably nurtured that. But mm. you have to have something yeah. a little bit in yeah. the beginning. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, I just did a, a Carlsberg commercial with Mads Mikkelsen where I should play tennis with the guy. Mm. And, and, and I thought, you know, they said, oh, Peter, you serve. And I thought, yeah, sure. Try to make a great serve, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, like, there's a camera all the way up in your face, and you try to serve, and there's crew, and there is all kind of shit around you, and oh, you serve right there. Sure, no problem. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, my skills are not like okay. I want to hit that spot right there, and then I do yeah, it. Yeah. It was so. It, it was you know, pressure's on, but we did it. Anyway, talk, talk, talk to me. I mean, talking about uh, that's a good segue. But go on. No, no, no. no, no. Let's, let's hear what, what, what were you saying. Yeah, I want to talk more about the commercial work then. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, to, um, but finish but your story first. No, no, it's fine. But if, to, to you said something about tennis. The, the levels of the, the, the levels. I was talking about how good. So my my point to tennis was that I think it, it's it, the, the full circle point was I think in life. Um, oh right now I know and I know yeah because you know figuring out very early in life what your talent is like um i was i was uh, in my active sports career i was actually a swimmer and and when i was mm, 11 or something my i you know you go to school and then the school go to the pool and then there was like a swimming coach that w spotted me and said you, you you have a talent for swimming i said yeah sure whatever um no i mean you're really good but you want to start in the club yeah sure and I started swimming in the in the local club, and actually, I then they they found out that I had a, a really nice talent for swimming, and they nurtured that. And 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 I my obviously it it, it shows out that I had a great technique. I mean, it was it wasn't something that I was thinking about, but my breaststroke was uh, you know uh, I was very skilled. I never thought about it, but. The way I just move through the water, the way I choose from from nature mm. to go through water, it was it had a great technique. Yeah. So uh, I became quite good yeah. in a young age, and I, uh, you know, made junior national mm. team, or mm. and I swam in the U.S. and 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 then I came to a point where my talent, this was it. I was on a team where they, uh, some of my fellow swimmers, they went to the Olympics and the World Cup, and I was not there. And you have to accept that you reach a point where, okay, this is my dream in this area. This is where it ends. Yeah. Like everything else in life, like I, I went to, I acted at Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in London. It was a dream. I worked seven years to get there. I got there, and then I thought, okay, I want to be part of the ensemble there. I want to tour the States with them. I wanted, But I didn't quite make that. I mean, not that my talent wasn't there, maybe, but, you know. Commitment, time, whatever. That, you know, that was, you know, I had to accept that my journey in this way ended there. Like my journey in swimming, it ended with Junior National Team. It ended there. And with Caroline, you know, the journey never ended 
and mm. she became one of the greatest in the world. You know, yeah. so so. I think I think that's really important. Also, some of the some of the things you mentioned there, because there's one thing which is I think. I I I mean I believe both things. I believe you're born with some natural talent in something, mm. right? Like I think. Uh, and I also believe that if you want something bad enough and you're obsessed enough about it, you mm -hmm. can go really far. But, right. but you will have to give up most other things. And I think, yeah. a lot of, I think a lot, it's something very obvious, mm -hmm. but most people don't realize that. I think, I think you know, when I, was, when I was young, I was a kid, I picked up uh, the Olympic sport discus, uh, the yeah. athletics. And I, I had my school record without really ever training. Right. And I mean, it's like natural. Na it's like naturally, I have, a, I have, a, I, I don't, I really. If you can, maybe if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I don't work out that much. <laughs> the fat I, guy. Exactly, the fat guy. Oh exactly. shit! Yeah. <laughs> this, this podcast is gonna get me working out <laughs> for sure. Just this uh, one show, I'm gonna work out more than ever. Uh, but I think what's interesting is like I was just like you know genetics or or, or whatever, like born with with some strength and born with you know oh. relatively long wingspan. So I could, I could, like, I, I came to the discus and I just threw it and I kind of beat most kids and they were like, yeah. okay, we're training way harder. So let's train this guy a little bit. And right. I, had, I had an Australian coach, uh, I went to international school and I had a very good Australian coach who was, uh, who was competing at, in the decathlon, uh, 10 events. Yeah. Uh, and, and he sort of like nurtured and I always wanted to do that. It's so cool, isn't these, it? Like these guys, I'm, I, it's I, like a piece of that, a piece of that. You like don't the, have. It's like the perfect event for someone who doesn't really uh, want to focus. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Like, you want to do everything? Great. Uh. And, but but these guys, I, I think uh, they're also considered like the best athletes in general because they can they can jump, they can yeah, run, yeah. they can also throw. It's uh. really difficult to sort of do all of those things at a at a high level. <laughs> uh, and and like. Um, Actually, in, in our school, we called everybody by Mr. and their last name. So Mr. Urkula was the name of the teacher. And I think he was like a, like a two-meter tall. Uh, but you're a tall Indian, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty tall for an Indian, yeah. I'm pretty tall in general, but yeah. yeah. For, yeah. And I think, so he was a quite a tall, like, big man. And I remember sort of he, you know, he was just like, oh, yeah, come to the, come to the weight room. I'll, we'll do some training, and I'll show you some technique. And I was like, whoa, it's so sweet. And I, the thing is also, I think a lot of the times... As a kid, you're really sort of vulnerable and you're right. very open and, mm. and I think you're very welcoming to everybody. Mm. And you can also get very unlucky and have a bad teacher, mm -hmm. have a bad coach. Mm. And maybe we've, we've, maybe we missed uh, hundreds of Roger Federer's because of, of, you know, circumstance, born in the wrong country. It's part of life. That's it's it. Circum I mean, it's, uh, yeah. uh, what do you call that? Um, uh, I don't know. But, but I, I, yeah. I think it's also fate. I yeah, fate. I think part of I think that's also part of what like I think some of the people that I know that are successful and are very successful in their mm. field, they realize that oh, it's not all me. Mm. It's not about me. I think you said something earlier. Mm. Uh, I've read this book, uh, The Art of War. Mm. Uh, sorry, sorry, The War of Art. Excuse me, war The War of Art, of art okay. which is by uh, Stephen Pressfield, okay. this writer. And in that book, he uh, and I. Like, I haven't read a book that fast in a long time. I read it, like, really fast. It's also <laughs> a very short book. Uh, and I, I think I've read it three times now. And everybody who's doing anything, like, in the artistic realm or, or mm. starting a company or doing something on their own, like, this book really is a good, is a really, really good um, tool mm. because it really makes you realize that it's not about you. You're just, you're, you're doing it. And, if, and like I think you talked about earlier, sort of this desire to want to do this, yeah, and yeah, to, to, yeah. To, to, you know, whether it's a small thing or mm -hmm. a big thing. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's just about like focusing on that and yeah. every day consistently working towards that, right? Mm. 
And I think that and uh, other, yeah. everything else uh, is, is kind of a distraction. But anyway. Yeah. But you know, but yeah, it's exactly what my, my next book is about. Okay. It's coming out this fall. Oh, what is it? Well, tell no, me. but it's about, you know, it's about that thing about when you're a kid and you have to, you know, uh, find a thing that appeals to you. And I, you know, that this is about sports, you know, you're searching for that sport where you can go far. And, you know, the parents saying, oh, why well, you go this, you're very good at this, do this. And the kid goes, yeah, it's not, yeah, I don't, don't really. And then they try another sport and another sport. And it's important for the parents to say, oh, you have to have something to focus on, otherwise you're a drifter. And you just walk around doing nothing. It's important to have focus on, on, on something. I don't care what it is, just something. And this book is about this boy that goes through all kinds of sports to find a sport that, that where he feels comfortable and where he finds it uh, as a fun thing to do. Nice. Uh, so, so I, I mean, I think, you know, it's important to, to uh, uh, notice that the kid, I mean, as you as a young person should do something that is fun. Like we talked about Mets Verlander, going into a sport, finding it funny to do it. Fun, yeah. And, and then grow from that. And like the parents, they should accept that you can't force them to, to find something interesting. If they, even though if they're talented in that area, no matter if it's sports or singing, things. everybody can sing, people say, yeah, well, <laughs> no. You haven't heard me sing. Yeah, so well, <laughs> everybody can sing, but it sounds different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and, and uh, no, but yeah, I think it's a very. Uh, I also think we, I think we're in this <coughs> sort of political correctness era of like everybody is the same. No, they're not. No, no, no. But the, but I think we have to just be open and honest. Yes, we're all yeah. people, and mm -hmm. and yes, in that sense, we're the same, and we're all we have equal rights, and all of that. Right. I completely agree with. But when it comes to, like. I love basketball. It's my favorite sport. Yeah. But I will never be able to compete against LeBron James or, or most every single person in every league in the world, not even the no. American League, any league no. in Europe. They're, these guys are not just the fact that they're taller than me or bigger than me, just the fact that they've committed their whole life to this. Right. You know, and I think that's also part of what we are losing a little bit. And I think in Europe less, because I think Europeans tend to be a bit more honest with themselves. But uh, yeah, but, but, but do you think do you think it also is a question about that we are so comfortable economically oh and, and, and that's a whole new life. podcast. Yeah, yeah I, I know. But like, you know, we don't have to struggle to to achieve things like like no, but it's like, true. like like some people in most in of the world parts of the world. But do. most but most of the world, I think most I mean, of if the you world. come from the ghetto in the US, you you yeah. you have to struggle. If you come from the ghetto in Denmark, you have to struggle, but it's probably just in another way that, you know, but, I, you know. I think, I think there's two things, right? One thing is that um, you only know your situation. You only know what you experience in life. Hmm. So if you're, I think a lot of times, I, I, I've met some people in my, in my life here in Europe and other parts of traveling in the world, they're like, oh, you know, it must be so sad for a woman living in a village in India. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like she's happy with her life. She knows her life. Mm. She she has a great life for her. She has kids, and and you know she has uh, she has a husband, hopefully a good one. And and yeah. you know like I mean that's her life. Yeah. She she doesn't know that she needs to have a Rolls Royce. She doesn't know that she wants. I mean for her right. or him, 
that is their food that is their life mm. right mm. and i think same thing goes with with uh, you know uh, people in europe or uh, yes we are all online yes we can look and read stuff but at the end of the day when you put your phone down and you walk out and you have a safe city a safe government that takes care of stuff and i think with covid we've also seen how certain governments are are better than others at reacting to certain you know with this kind of a situation uh, yeah. I, th- I think we, I think we're also realizing that you know I th- the world, for from an individual's perspective, I think it it is so helpful to travel. It is so helpful to get out of your comfort zone, to see a different country, to see a different people, mm-hmm. to talk to other people, and, and and like just just also to realize that you have it really good here. You have it really really good yeah. here. Like you don't have that much uh, to worry about, right? And I think like. For me as well, I like to go back to India as often as I can to hit the reset button a little bit. Because right. sometimes you do get comfortable. Like, oh yeah, every, you start complaining about things coming two minutes late. You start complaining yeah. about, you know, the water not being perfect or yeah. whatever. Whereas most of my life I grew up with the electricity going out every couple of days, hot water not being around that right. much. You know, and it's like, yeah. you have to, and I think that, that makes you tough, that makes you smart, that makes you, uh, you know, uh, want, have a hunger. Mm-hmm for doing something mm. but it also it also sometimes suppresses mm. some of the creativity right it also so- sometimes yeah. suppresses no but you know if 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 you if you are that comfortable as you describe it there i mean where do you want to go from there i mean is yeah. it better over there or or oh i need to i mean some of the 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 people that has achieved a lot in the world have come from places where they say i got to get out of here I gotta get out of here. I gotta be somewhere else in the in my life, okay, because this is unbearable to be here. I mm. mean, I gotta have to uh, hide, hide, elevate, yeah, ele- my standards in life, and it goes through this way. Um, and, yeah. and and I think we don't have the same need to uh, to to. Uh, to to change where it's a very i think i think maybe here it's like a more it has to come from inside like if you want to do something yeah your your worst case scenario in 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 most countries in in europe or the you know in northern europe at least is that a casa or whatever <laughs> like you get some yeah. money from the state and yeah, you can yeah. you know you can, yeah. you can live a pretty okay life and mm. and it's fine but um you know there's i think it's it's a different kind of fire. It's a different kind of motivation. It's not external as much, no, right? That's true. Uh, yeah. But, I, but think I mean, I'm not saying that, of course, we no, can no. achieve in, in, in our situation. We do. I mean, there's a lot of Danish people that have has achieved in all kinds of, you know, see um, uh, Bjarne Ingles, the, the architect, you know, we have Caroline. Yeah. We are, you know, we have uh, people in all areas from coming out from Denmark, Danish design is, you know, uh, worldwide, you know, our uh, way of uh, building source in the, in, in, you know, around the world is we, we are a role model in the, mm. in that area. Like we, we have, we have high standards and, and we also, even though we are comfortable, I mean, people that want to achieve uh, extraordinary will yeah. do that. So when is your book coming out? It's coming out October. Okay. Oh, so it's soon. Yeah. In a couple of months. Yeah, a couple of months. Okay, nice. And yeah. and uh, you'll come back on again and talk about the book when I'd you're love on? to. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, hey, I think I think it's been almost two hours, so that's awesome. Oh shit! No, no, but it's perfect. No, no, that, that's also <gasps> the point, which is kind of nice to like, you know, get a rolling. But, but you can uh, edit. No, no, no. There's no editing. Ah! This is all gonna be live. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. But. Uh, 
where can people find you? Do you have a website or do you put something up somewhere or, or uh, some social media or something? Yeah. Um, what, I, did, I don't know. I do have a... Oh, I I'll have just put it in the show notes, some, some links that people can yeah. check out. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Peter, yeah. uh, for your time. You. And yeah, I think it was a really fun chat. Let's, it was. Let's do it again soon. Nice to, nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you.